Hi, I'm Ashley Cooley, a birth baby and sleep specialist and mom of three. There's so much information out there, right? This show is dedicated to helping you clear out the noise so you can figure out what will work best for your baby and your family. If you're looking to learn more about your baby, gain more confidence in your parenting, and get as much sleep as you can through it all, you've come to the right place. Bringing up baby is about to get a little easier. Welcome back to another episode of the Bringing Up Baby podcast. Our little show here has been around for one whole trip around the sun, which means that some of your babies aren't just little babies anymore. Some of you might be expecting baby number two or number three, and some of you are new here, either getting ready to have your baby or they're already here but still nice and fresh. No matter your situation, this episode is one for the books, because we're actually getting into some really helpful strategies for supporting the bigger kids the older siblings or the other toddlers or preschoolers that your little ones will be eventually. And to help us navigate this journey, I've enlisted the help of Karen Irwin, owner of Rue Family in Toronto, Canada. Karen and I had a chat the other day about how to help your toddler or preschooler navigate big changes, like when a new baby brother or sister is expected. We also had a chat about how to help them transition from one activity to the next, especially when the next activity isn't necessarily something they want to do, but they have to do. You know what I mean? And lastly, we got into a really common situation or phase that almost all kids tend to go through at some point. When your child seems to prefer one parent over the other. In most cases, this is something very developmentally appropriate, but it can be frustrating or tough to navigate. Luckily, Karen's going to walk us through it. Here's our conversation. Hi, Karen. Nice to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're basically here to talk about how parents can make things easier or smoother when it comes to the big kids. So the toddlers, the preschoolers, either for them to think about the future or as they start introducing more babies into the mix. Now we have older siblings. We know there's some things that we can get into there. So um, thanks for joining us. And Karen, could you maybe start by telling us a bit about yourself and Rue, how maybe how Rue family came to be? Yeah, well, hi, everyone. And Ashley, thanks so much for reaching out and having me on today. I'm thrilled to be a part of it. And um, yeah, as Ashley said, I'm Karen, Karen Irwin. I'm the founder of Rue Family. And Rue Family is a consulting service that provides support to parents and caregivers as they navigate raising their children and family life. And um, I, you know, I started Rue Family, uh, it's like six years ago now, it's crazy, I don't feel like it's been that long, but it has, and I did that after I spent over a decade at the Children's Hospital here in Toronto, Sick Kids, where I was a certified child life specialist there supporting families um, through their healthcare journey, and I recognized that a lot of the support that I was providing there was actually also very helpful to mainstream families. And so I wanted to bring that type of um, support to help parents navigate this role that they're in um, as they're, you know, raising their kids. Mm. So that's, that's me and, and a bit of my background. Awesome. So glad you did make that switch because I do follow you on Instagram and I love your content, which is exactly why you're here. I think it's so useful uh, as I've been bringing up my own kids. So Um, But a couple of topics come to mind or they, they come up for me a lot with the families I work with, because I do uh, do sleep consulting with families with that have older children as well. So usually up to age five, typically. So Mm -hmm. these questions are very common that come up 
for families that have multiple kids. So one of them is what can parents do to prevent or work through a sibling's potential big feelings when a new baby mm-hmm. comes along? So if uh, mom is pregnant or partner is pregnant, they're expecting um, and our toddlers are maybe two, three, four years old. Mm-hmm. Are there ways that they can help prepare them for a baby to come? Cause we can kind of sense that this jealousy might be arising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So preparation is key, um, especially for this age group, because one of the things that we know is when children feel prepared, they feel more in control. And when children feel more in control, they can be more successful. And one of the things we have to recognize is that when a new sibling is introduced to the family, obviously that's a transition. That's a big change. And that shakeup, that change of roles, that, you know, change of the dynamic in the home it, you know, creates a bit of um, an out of control experience. And so anything mm-hmm. that we can do to help set children up to, you know, have as best of an understanding as to what's going to come and what that change might look like, the better able they're going to be to manage because they're going to feel more prepared and more in control. Um, so some ways that we do that is, you know, I think children's storybooks are a wonderful resource for families to use when a child's going to enter into that new role of big sibling. And there's sort of two types of children's storybooks that I suggest for families to look for and use. One is is stories that are, you know, talking about becoming a big sibling, and that can help children sort of identify with what that role is. And, you know, as you're reading those, you know, pausing and asking your child, you know, well, what do they think they could do to help? Or, you know, what do they think that that they're going to play with, with their sibling when the baby comes and, you know, try to help the child identify and put themselves in the shoes of the character that's being represented in the book. But also, I think it's really important for us to read children's storybooks about babies, you know, so that we can help kids sort of get a grasp, you know, what the baby's going to look like, what the baby's going to do or what the baby's not going to do at first. And that also helps them have a sort of a greater understanding in an age appropriate way, enabling them to have that information that prepares them to sort of set them up for for that control. Um, And then, as you said, you know, there's big feelings that are going to come. And I think that that's expected. And I, I think that that's one of my biggest pieces of advice for families as they're transitioning into this change is that they be prepared for big emotions and big feelings, because that is an age appropriate way for this age group to get a feeling of sort of uncertainty or insecurity around the change. And so knowing that that's going to come, um, first of all, can be helpful for parents, knowing that that is a normal way for children of this age to express themselves. I also think that that could can be helpful. Mm -hmm. And then we can also start to like shift our thinking. And so if our child's going to show these big feelings and big emotions, what can we do to support them? And, you know, maybe with our partners discussing that, like maybe it's big bear hugs, maybe it's um, having a calm down corner, maybe it's, you know, prescribing alternative ways for kids to manage their emotions, stomping their feet, clapping their hands, whatever it would be. And that would resonate, but that sort of helps us as parents prepare for what's going to come and, and then what we can do to support children when it, if that's the reality and those, those big emotions do show up. Yeah, absolutely. It's understanding that that's a normal thing for them to go through. And so you're not ever saying, you know, that they're having it. It's not even 
would you even describe it as a tantrum per se? If it's just like, it's the, it's the emotions that are coming out because something yeah. is different and they're not sure. And so having that understanding and finding other ways to manage those emotions for them. Yeah. To help them. Yeah. And one of the things I'll also often talk to parents about, depending on the age of the child and, you know, I mean, children often can comprehend more in the toddler and preschool age than they might be able to express. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that can be helpful is like, if you have a three-year-old and sometime, like, I know time's hard to come by, but maybe like on a Saturday afternoon, you saying to them, you know, when baby comes, it might be different and it might feel a little um, like hard for you. And if, you know, your body might sometimes get frustrated or loud or whatever. And, you know, when that happens, what are like some things that we could do to help your body and sort of preemptively coming up with these strategies, you know, like I said, maybe it's stomping, maybe it's having a big hug, maybe it's having a book corner where they go, whatever. But I think like having that bit of role play you know, I don't think it's going to be like when your child has those big emotions, they're going to immediately go to the corner with the books. No, but I do sure. Think, yeah. I do think when you can see, when you say like, oh, I can see your body's feeling really loud right now. Why don't we go and try to read some books? The yeah. fact that you did that preview, you know, in a sort of fun, playful way when it wasn't a moment that you're now mm. doing it in reality, that's going to actually help support your child because it's going to almost be like familiar to them, enabling them to maybe be more successful at using that strategy. So, mm. you know, I think having that frame of mind that this is a normal response to a change um, yeah. and then working together with how we can support kids, um, that's going to be helpful to you, um, uh, in those moments once new babies arrived. Totally. I love the role play. I, I, I tell parents to do that all the time. That's one of the reasons why I love working with families <laughs> with bigger kids. Cause like we can get mm. them on board and we can show yeah. them and it still might not be perfect. That's not right. what we're looking for, but if you can help make it easier, um, yeah, for totally. yourself, for them, then all the better. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Those are great tips. And the specifically, even what kinds of children's books uh, as helpful so they can put themselves in that, those shoes. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so what about when, when baby does come along, whether that's, you know, fresh newborn baby or just a younger baby that maybe needs one parent over the other, for instance. So, I mean, this, this just comes up all the time where I came up in our household a couple of times where one parent might be primarily with the baby or needing to be, whether that's for feeding or otherwise. So the other parent is maybe up for putting the older sibling to bed or, or having mm -hmm. to do certain tasks with that. But the older child, the toddler, the preschooler could be maybe going through a, a phase or a time in their life where they're seeming to prefer one parent over the other. So mm -hmm. if one parent we know can't do it all, what are some ways to help around that have those kinds of conversations with the kids? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So parental preference is a very normal um, thing for preschool and toddler age children to do, especially during a time in their life where there is some uncertainty or some change or a big transition like a new baby coming into the home. Because as I said earlier, although that change is wonderful and we know all the benefits, it is hard and it is a time where kids of that age group feel a bit out of control. And so children learn that a way that they can have control is by making you know, asserting their autonomy in ways like choosing which parent puts them to bed. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I sometimes think that when we recognize um, that the reason why our children are having this parental preference stage is because they're trying to find autonomy and they've learned that this is a way they can get autonomy. And so when we recognize that, we can shift things where we can now look at it, okay, our child's craving autonomy, which makes sense because of the change going on in their lives. How can we provide them with autonomy, but still within our goals? Because as you stated before, like one parent might have to be more involved with baby and can't put the other child to bed all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we can't just, you know, be like, okay, mommy, will do it. Or daddy will do it. Or grand, like, whatever we have to, you know, do what works within the sort of goals of the family. And so I often suggest for families is, So if we have that dynamic where it's, you know, bedtime and one parent's helping baby and another parent's in charge of putting the older child to bed and the child doesn't want that person to put them to bed, what I think that parent or caregiver needs to do is they need to make the statement where they say, well, I'm here to put you to bed right now and I'm really excited to do that. So make that statement. You can then empathize. It can be hard though, I understand that, and then provide them with another way to have autonomy. But let's choose, you know, do you do you want to choose what book we read or do you want to choose um, if I put your pajamas on or if you do it? So this enables our child to, first of all, hear that empathy that, you know, that we understand how they're feeling. It also helps make the statement, though, like this is how it has to be. But then we fill up their autonomy bucket by providing them with an opportunity to make a choice that still works within our goal. And mm-hmm. I, I I know that like the first time we do that, it's good. Your child's not going to be like, oh, you put my PJs on and be satisfied with that. But mm-hmm. I do think that us having that same framework and using that strategy as each time this comes up, our child is going to start to recognize that they are being provided with autonomy and they'll appreciate that autonomy that they will start to be able to make those choices, um, fulfilling that that um, need that they have in a more constructive way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, though, is I do think that obviously there's probably that your the older child is missing out on some sort of time with one of that parent. And I do think we have to make moments in our child's day where they do feel that connection with that other parent. The one thing though that I'll often tell parents is those moments don't have to be like huge, you know, mommy and me play dates where we go to the park and then we get a hot chocolate right. and it's like two hour ordeal. If you can do that, amazing. But I mean, what is way more beneficial is if we can find 10 minutes of one-on-one child directed playtime each day where we, you know, say, mommy, it's time to get down on the carpet and play with you. I'm going to set my phone for 10 minutes and we can play until the buzzer goes. And then you get down on the floor and you follow your child's lead. They tell you how to drive the car or what color to color the sun with. And you just follow their lead and go along with them, that's going to fill up that attention bank that they're craving and that they they need, enabling them to be more adaptable and successful when this parental preference thing plays out later on in the day or whatever. Amazing. I love that. I've, I've heard that as well. And we had to, or had to, got to enjoy doing that. It was like homework when we had our youngest. Um, We assumed, because people would tell us, uh, that our middle child would have the hard time because she was the baby, but mm-hmm. actually it didn't face her. It didn't seem to face her in any which <laughs> way, but my oldest who was five and a half at the time 
was very much affected. And that was one of the tools that we learned to use with her that, you know, not getting her to choose what you're doing, because she'll choose the ice cream in the two hour outing. But it was like, I get to play with you. And and it's totally directed by her getting Mm -hmm. that one on twine and knowing that each day at a particular Mm -hmm. time of day, even that that's Mm -hmm. coming. I, Mm -hmm. that really, it didn't start out perfect. Like you said, but it does, it does work its way in because they know that they're getting that time with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that. Amazing. One of my favorite posts of yours, which came up pretty recently, I think is that you talked about these three C's for helping your child transition from one thing to the next. So this is a big one because we know how many times are parents trying to get baby out of the house Now we assume that the toddler, the older child or sibling is going to come with us, but they have to go through this transition now too. And it doesn't always go so well. So (laughs) we're working with their struggle and their transition. So can you share what that might look like or how can we help with these transitions? What are those three C's? Yeah. So, so, you know, I think like the theme of this has been transitions are hard, especially for this age group. And, Mm -hmm. um, when we think about it, you know, in a toddler preschooler or early school age, even school age child's day, there are many transitions and those transitions are often things that we're imposing on them. You know, like they're all things that have to be done, but the reality is in their, in our children's mind, we are imposing these things on our kids and they don't like that. Um, so I find that the three C's, which I'll explain in a second, they really help empower kids. Um, they also help create almost like a coping mechanism for children, because we also have to recognize that transitions are hard. And so if we create a coping mechanism for our children during something that is hard in their day. Uh, it's going to be easier for them. And then, as I said, there are tons of transitions in a kid's day. Um, And so if we're using the same sort of strategy or, you know, formula sounds a bit Mm-hmm, I don't know, mm-hmm. like, but, but I'll just, for lack of a word, same sure. formula, each time a transition comes, that's going to create, you know, create that familiarity and that consistency for kids, helping them be better able to transition. So the three C's are the first is Q. We always, before we want to transition our child from one activity to another, we want to give them a cue. The thing though, that's really, or you also could think of this as a warning. The thing though that's really important about this cue is that it's tangible. You know, often we'll be like, in five minutes, it'll be time to stop playing and come for dinner. In our brains, that makes a lot of sense. We can sort of understand what five minutes looks like. We could say like, okay, that would mean I'd finish this puzzle and then it would be time to go for dinner. But for a five-year-old, that actually doesn't mean much to them because they don't have any concept of time. Mm -hmm. So we want to make it a tangible cue. So that could be you know, when you're finished putting the last piece in the puzzle, it's going to be time to come for dinner. Or it could be when the buzzer goes off on my phone, it's going to be time to come for dinner. So our child has something tangible to connect that cue with. Then once the cue has been met, so the puzzle piece has been put in the puzzle or the buzzer went off on the phone, the next C is to make a connection with our child. As I've said, this transition is, it transitions are hard. And when people feel connected to those that they love, they can be better at doing hard things. So now the connection though needs to be simple so that we can do it. And, you know, it's not again, like a make work project, making dinner a half hour later than we wanted it to be. I think a wonderful way to make a connection with the child is to sit down next to them, 
make a statement or a comment about what they're doing and then ask them a question about it. So you could say like that puzzle is huge and you know, it had so many pieces and I love how, you know, you, you were able to think and put them all together. What's your favorite picture on this puzzle? Let mm. your child then show you, you can say, that's so cool. I like that picture too. That's feeling connection to you. That's also where your child's been in that sort of role of leader, showing you their favorite part. And it's just like a feel good moment, filling up that, that bucket. Then the third one is, is control or providing your child with controlled choice. So controlled choice is where we have the end goal. It's time for us to go to dinner, but we give our child two choices on how to get there. So are we going to tiptoe there really quietly or am I going to fly you there like a rocket ship? Um, and uh, those are the three C's. And we find that when we do this over and over and over again, luckily, we have lots of exposure to it because, as I said, there are many transitions in a child's day. It helps your child start to recognize and use this as a coping strategy. And all these things are more empowering than us imposing things on our kids, which also helps them be in a position in a, in a headspace to be much more successful at moving on. Um, totally. And, and then that. the other thing that I also always tell parents is, you know, uh, like, I'm the expert and I obviously have all these ideas and, you know, I'm able to rhyme them off very quickly. But I also do know that when you have in your mind, every time we're going to transition, I'm going to do these three C's. If you mm -hmm. were, for example, I always say like start it on a weekend because often you have a bit more capacity and support and there are a lot of transitions by the end of Saturday, like you'll have this down, you'll like, you'll know how to, to make the right cue and connect quickly and make the choice applicable mm -hmm. that it'll just become sort of like a second nature to you. Right. It's a learning experience for everybody, for both, but yeah. I, I can see, I can see how, yeah, doing that on a weekend and doing that so many different times that, that, that would become second nature. And so that, that control piece at the end, or really a lot of this, like you were saying earlier, it's, it's giving that autonomy um, mm -hmm. so that they're feeling like they're making a choice and going to the next thing and yeah, into that transition. Yeah. Um, and with that connection piece, I love the added part of you're not just like making a statement of something about what they were doing, but asking them a question about it. So there's just that little bit of interaction, that connection. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. This yeah. has been awesome. I, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go start doing this right away as well. My three-year-old is napping, but we have to transition every, Monday to Friday, transition from the nap to go pick up her sisters at school. school. Yes. That is an interesting transition. Yeah, so I'm going to see, try. I am, I am going to see uh, how we can change this up today. Um, so anyway, but I just, I really appreciate you coming because I just think this is such an important discussion and conversation to have as people are navigating their growing families. Mm -hmm. um, so Karen, before we let you go, can you tell us how or where people can find you in case they're looking for more of your amazing advice and resources? Yeah. So I think probably the best way to, to find me and to get um, some support through me is through Instagram. So my Instagram handle is at Rue, R-O-O dot family. And um, I try to provide tips and strategies for families every day. So it's a great resource just to like get some information for yourselves to try and do things. Um, so that's, and then also you can find me online at roofamily.ca and that provides more information about my background and all the different offerings and services that we have available to support families. 
Amazing. I will link to those in the show notes so people can go and click and be directed right there. Perfect. Thanks again, Karen. This has been great. I really appreciate it. And maybe we'll talk again soon because I know I'd have love that. a lot of tips. <laughs> okay, yeah, great. Well, thank you for thinking of me and having me on. And uh, I'd love to do this again sometime. Awesome. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Looking for more? Check out birthbabysleep.ca where you'll find prenatal classes, postpartum and new baby resources, and sleep support during the childhood years. You'll also find me on Facebook and Instagram at birthbabysleep. It would be awesome if you followed us wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you can, leave a review or a rating, which goes a long way for helping others to find us. That's all for now. I'm Ashley Cooley, and we'll see you back here next time.